Hello, this is The Tribe Stories, the curated sermons, conversations, and collections of poetry of the Tribe Lagos. May this refresh and revive you as you listen. So this morning, we, last week we did um, the Pyramid of Love, just understanding how our lives are driven by our fundamental beliefs about love. And if you believe you are here on earth and there is no love available to you, it's going to drive your entire life. All that we see in the world is a love crisis. It's either you're yearning for it, you're reaching for it. And then unfortunately, any of us bought into religion, religion tells you you're here to strive to get God's love. And everything you try to do to get God's love is not the love God gives because it's unconditional. The moment you attempt to earn it, it's no longer unconditional. It becomes conditioned on your efforts. And the love of God is not earned, it's received. And that love that you receive is most primordial and most true about you because God is not going to change your mind tomorrow. Right? If you're, some people have broken marriages because they stopped loving, but God doesn't stop loving. Right? So this morning where, no, I think I need just one. Thank you. No, I think, um, here, so everybody else can see. Thank you. So, you know, um, if you grew up in a Pentecostal, home, like most of us did, there is oftentimes a period in the year where the pastors will start, there is a series, I don't know if you guys have gone for the, it's the year of the open door. My brother. In fact, when you see open door, please don't miss it. Yeah. But just even thinking, when you see that scripture, is the year of the open door, what comes to your mind? Oh, okay, let's not say the year of the open door. Open door. They not put a door that just opened. Sometimes when you don't open, you see an angel walking out or something walking in. And if you are too creative, you'll give me a basket. <laughs> so the angel walketh with the basket. But when you hear open door, what comes to your mind? Prosperity. Blessings. Anybody else? Breakthrough. Okay, well, you guys know where, the, where that scripture is. I think it's um, Revelation. Let's check Revelations um, three, um, 3 verse 8. Revelations 3 verse 8. Ify, don't be told. <laughs> if it's not that bad enough. If his voice is my favorite, sometimes... Most times, you know. Okay. All right, so that scripture is actually found, where they get it from, it's Revelations 3 verse 8. But if we backtrack a bit to 7, 7 goes with, write the following to the messenger of the congregation in Philadelphia. For these are the solemn words of the Holy One, the true one who has David's key, who opens doors that none can shut, I will close this door that none can open. It says, I know, that, I know all that you've done. Now I have set before you an open door. I've set before you a wide open door that none can shut. Now here is the interesting part. This particular scripture was now, John was writing from the island of Patmos and he was talking about a certain door that opened. Right, but we see a, a, a usually there's something called a, a, a reference. So let's look at Matthew. Matthew gave us a reference to the open door. 
Um, I think it's Matthew, Matthew 11, let me see. Matthew 11, verse 25. Okay, if you want to go for us. Matthew eleven twenty-five. Okay. Okay. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudence and have revealed them to babes. 26. Even so, Father, for it seemed so good in your sight. 27. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and to the one whom the Son wills to reveal to him. Okay, so here, Jesus was making a very, very interesting claim. Um, I also wanted to pick the part in Matthew where he was saying that, I am the way, I am the door. So what is Jesus talking about here? Because I don't think he was talking about prosperity. I mean, you can interpret it as that because doors will open in the name of Jesus. Right, but sometimes we miss the, the, the thinking here. Jesus was saying in this scripture that nobody knows the Father but by me. Now, before the Bible, there was God. Right? And then before Jesus came, there was prophets. So how do you show up on the scene and you're saying nobody knows God but I, the prophet. I am the one that is here to tell you about something concerning God. Now, why are we tying your revelation of God? Because you cannot talk about living a fulfilled life or having a rooted identity without first understanding God. In fact, many times, for many of us, the voice of your entire dialogue, the internal voice in your head, will be the reflection of the, of the voice of God. So your revelation of God will play out in your head as your own voice. And I'll give you a bit of that in a bit. So he was making a point here that there is the, all the prophets that came by me, that came before me, no one knows God. There's something he was getting at. Because when he was talking about, I have opened a door, he wasn't talking about a door of prosperity, he was talking about a door to see God. So he said, I have come to reveal God. Up until that time, people saw through windows. And of course, if you're looking at something through the window, you don't get a full view. But he said, I've opened the door that any man can enter. So how is it possible that all the prophets, Abraham, Isaac, David, he said they didn't see the picture, they didn't see the full picture. If you go down to Hebrews, he now said, God in the previous times, let's go to Hebrews 1 verse 1. He was making another point. He was like, in God in sundry ways and in diverse manners made an attempt to speak through prophets. But in the last days, God did no longer speak through prophets. He spoke through as himself. Now let's see where that goes. He said, um, God at various times and in various ways spoke in, the, in time past to the fathers by the prophets. Next. Has in this last day spoken to us by what? So keep an eye on that. Whom he has appointed, heir of all things, through whom he also made the worlds. Now what we find here was that Jesus said something that almost got him killed. He had a confrontation with the Jews. He showed up that day and was telling them some nice interesting revelations got upset. What are you talking about? And he said, well, let me tell you guys, before Abraham, I am. And he said, how dare you claim to be before Abraham? Because if, it, if Abraham tells you that God asks him to sacrifice his child, and Jesus is saying, no, God does not demand sacrifice. God gives. He gave his son. You now start to struggle because Abraham made a claim that God asked him to sacrifice Isaac and then God gave and Jesus comes to say, no, God is the giver of the sacrifice. God is not the demander of the sacrifice. So the Bible is a tension, and that's why many people are killing the name of the Bible. You understand? Because the truth is that the revelation of God you have is the most important thing in your Christian experience. In fact, if you don't understand, I'm going to crystallize for us two types of revelation of God that you and I are battling with. 
But see what he now goes on to say that whom he has appointed here of all things, that was not just what it was. He said, whom also he made the world. So Abraham was made by Jesus, was made by Christ. It wasn't that Abraham, your Abraham in timeline seemed to have come before Christ, but he said there's something deeper than this. Jesus, Christ is not beginning in Mary's womb. So if you think Christ began in Mary's womb, then you will limit him to his 2,000 years experience. But in fact, he actually said Jesus was actually something more than that. That Jesus was actually the incarnation of Christ in time to reveal to us the Christ in us. So that it wasn't so much that we were called to just look at Jesus and get frozen at, on him for 2,000 years. No, it was that we awaken his life in us. Christ awakening you. So the most popular scripture, word or phrase is a phrase in the Bible is in Christ. So go and check the New Testament. If we count it, it's maybe 300 and something. Paul kept saying in Christ, what was this identification of a new way to define humans? Not longer, no longer in Adam, but in Christ. So Jesus Christ is a dimension two in one. We call it union. So the union is that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, but the very life that expressed himself through him was, was Christ. And he said, this is it. Christ is the eternal son, the one through whom all things were made. And guess what? Christ didn't end in Jesus. Christ is in every human. But not every human is awakened to the Christ in them. So the gospel was not an invitation for you to give your life to Christ. The gospel for, was an invitation for you to discover Christ in you. So the point was not give your life to Christ. It was Christ has given his life to you. When you are the giver, you are the originator and you're the author of your salvation. When you are the receiver, that's the gospel. It's a declaration, it's grace, it's giving. But let's keep reading. Next, let's see the verse, verse 3. Whom being the brightest, the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the, of the majesty on high. Next, having become so much better than the angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Keep going. So it, this scripture was actually making us something, was giving us a picture that though the Christ, the eternal one, made man and made time, he at some point became man and then now achieved an excellent name, a name that was untainted by anything trauma that we have lived, just to show us how God has created us to be saved. For which the angels, you are my son, today have I begotten you, and again I'll be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Do you recognize this scripture that Paul was quoting? Where did you hear it the first time? Psalm 2. Right? Psalm 2. He was quoting something. So David was seeing the Christ. David was seeing the Christ. Perhaps the Christ was speaking through David. So there are some scriptures in the New Testament that are law. Run away from them. There are some scriptures in the New Testament that are grace. Eat them. It's not so much about new and old. It's about the spirit of the scripture. Take for instance, David was, this was a New Testament scripture in an Old Testament era. When Isaiah was saying, Arise and shine for the light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you, he was speaking of the era of the coming Christ. So Christ was concealed in the Old Testament but was revealed in the New and in our time is revealed in us. So that the mystery of Christ is not to be frozen in a book but was to come alive in every flesh. So guys, I just hope we don't go too deep so that people don't get lost. But where are we going this morning? The revelation of God is the most important thing in your life. And Christ came to say there is a way people have defined God that no longer works because I have come to define him. Let's go on. I, I want to get to 6 where he was talking about the express image the, and all of those things. So what I'm saying is that 
The Bible in itself, it's supposed to be a testament to the person of Christ. So the Christ is the word. The word is not the book. The book is a witness to the word. So you will find tension over and over again where in the Bible, you will meet some place of the Bible where they will tell you, for instance, sacrifice your child. So you don't take that as your dogma or your, pro or your gospel because it's found in the holy book. The truth is that the holy book, the letter kill it, the spirit gives life. What I would urge you to do is to dive into the spirit of the word. So the Bible says the spirit of the word is Christ. How did Christ live? Now, did um, Abraham kill people? Did he? No, remember now, he went to rescue Lot. It was not, a, it was a bloody rescue. In fact, two kings died that day. Yeah, two kings were, they were manslaughtered. One of them said, I've been cutting toes. Now it has come on me. That one just had a, 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 he had a spot for catching people and cutting their toes. So when they caught him, his toes had to go. In fact, he was saying, I know, yeah, he said, he said, I don't know what he had with toes, but he just seemed to have, have a basket of collection. So when they caught him, his toes were the first to go. He was like, he was coming after all. He had a chance to see his own come out. But it was a bloody, it was a bloody story, right? The rescue of Lot, right? Very bloody story. Now, did, um, did David kill? See, that Baba, that Baba was like Connor the Destroyer. Do you know, David was so bloody. There was even a time on his deathbed, he called his son, Solomon. I said, Solomon, I have an unfinished business. No, this was, it was on his way out. At this point in time, he should be merciful. He told Solomon, there was a guy that was mocking me the day Solomon and Absalom drove me out of town. You know, I didn't finish the work. You know what to do. Yeah. Baba just transferred generational violence. And, you know, of, of course, Solomon did what he needed to do, right? My point is, think of Moses. Did Moses kill? No. So Moses won't kill him. Eh? Moses won't kill him. That his killing was so dramatic. Like, his killing was so dramatic because I can just imagine being in his church and somebody saying, Moses, is it only you that God can use? Moses, Moses had this rod of life. When that rod points your direction, duck. So as Moses just did like this, the ground opened. All his cousins, those ones that were doing uh, Aluta Continua. <laughs> Moses ended Aluta. You know, Moses just ended the thing. And they closed the ground. Moses said, continue with worship. He loves us. And, and everybody was like, Baba, no, there was no time to mourn. There was even a thing. His sister said, challenged him and said, why you go marry black woman? You know, Zipporah wasn't very, very. Say, why you another race? Moses just did like this. She became leper. They carried her out of the camp. Everybody was begging, I beg now, your sister, now your sister. Moses said, Moses, I will think about it. <laughs> so when she came back again, Miriam never opened her mouth. Miriam was loyal. <laughs> Such loyalty. So, but at the end of the day, you see that if you see the lens through Moses, there's a way you pray. Your first response to your enemy, Lord, leper. <laughs> you understand? Your prayer point to be, have you seen the, the, the mosaic prayer points? That's Mount Sinai. <laughs> when you kick like this, these are the kind of prayer that people strip themselves naked. Say, Father, here I come. If I, uh, <laughs> that is borderline witchcraft. Like, but my point is, you know, they know how to, and quite frankly, some of those things, I can tell you why they work. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> may you the Lord deliver you from that kind of prayer. You see how like they show. You know, it looks like it. No, but they walk home. You understand? I told you the story of how one man's son was killed by some policemen. 
they refused to show up. Everybody said the boy died accidental discharge, trying to escape. You know, by the time you're accidentally discharging on someone trying to escape, it doesn't add up. So the man said, give me my son, let me go and bury him. What happened? They said the story was that one by one, the policeman started to die. In fact, there was even one that his, his son and daughter died and followed. That one must have been the chief murderer. So they now called the pastor. Everybody came to the man and said, please, undo what you've done. So some governors will never swear in shrine. When they dragged them to Kija, they said, no, 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 please, we can't do this as gentlemen. If you swear that you're still in Okija, Okija might not let you live. But what is the mystery of this? How on earth is it possible that darkness is still alive and light is not feared? The Old Testament God, you know, go joke with them. You know, one day they were coming back from town. The cat tried to fall. One guy that was, the guy was just zealous. The man was like, the ark will not touch the ground. You know, the guy tried to stop the ark. And the, the next thing we saw, the guy was struck dead. Everybody, even David was dancing. You know, that day David had, um, David, David just, that day David feared. David said, Baba, maybe he's been, he must have been around the season of his life where he's fleeing with that um, Bathsheba. Because David was like, please guys, this is looking like, we don't need too many casualties today. Please, please. Do you know, as they not stunned, one man's house was around the corner. Obedido. David said, please, let's, they, they carried it to Obedido. And I think they were like, Obedido, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm sure that was how they were sitting like, they say, Obed, 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 what a family. Obed was a good man. I'm sure they would have been saying, what a, what a good man. He raised a good family. But, but the next time they saw Obed, Obed was looking twice as fat. Like, everyone was just like, bro, what was he? he had this jacket on. He was like, Obed, you're still alive. Obed was like, I just know what's happening, man. I just, my, I, I just exporting cassava right now. Everything is just working. I'm boiling. Ah, at the end of the day, they had to come back. David said, well, I think something was wrong. Let's figure out. Obed is enjoying what is for all of us. So guys, let's, let's finish work. So the next time they were carried, David even had to dress himself. David danced and danced and danced. Danced naked at a point. Carried it in. But you know, this David again, one day went to war. Came back, his wife had been taken captive. His wife and his men, he had all these funny men. One of them one day was just passing, he just saw a lion in the, inside pit. The guy said, see lion, are you thinking what I'm thinking? They said, well, he jumped inside. Killed the lion, came out and said, ah, what a day. That is the kind of man David was rolling with. You understand? But again, David has stories of killing lions. So there are things, you know, these men would have been looking for their lions to kill. So in the days where there's no war, they are not normal. Yeah. Because no, they are fictional, they, they need the war. No, David, it's, the city is too calm. <laughs> no, the city is too calm. They will go and look for trouble. Even David, there are three brothers in the camp. David said, oh, God said, deliver my soul from these three brothers. <laughs> like they, they are own, they can't listen to. One of them, even when Absalom was threatening David, that one was like, David, we're going to finish. David said, I beg, I don't want you guys to touch Absalom. He's my son. The guy, the guy was having withdrawal syndrome. Absalom. <laughs> <laughs> like he was that bad. No, he, he, David was even keeping an eye on them. Like, guys, there is something going on. That one is a soul. Is a David, though. They said, we remember, we remember. So those guys were the people David was rolling with. They went to war, right? Somehow they go back home. Their wife and kids have been taken. They turned on David. They said, Baba, yeah, you are not a good leader. See how now our wives are gone. So David did something. David, they were so hungry. You know what David did? David went into the temple. David had, they had this shoe bread, sardine. 
David just carried the shewbread, this sardine, everybody want to take, 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 take. They started crying and eating the food. Nobody died. You don't enter that place normal. How did David make it in and out? Don't think about it. No, what did David know about God that the Old Testament people didn't know? Because this David, if you read his psalm, that's like he bribing God. There was a day he actually said, Baba, you know, David would tell us that God is merciful. And God is, but he will never tell them openly. He will just be saying, God, you're merciful and kind. In fact, there was one day he said, Baba, if people want to kill me, let me die by you. He said, because I know that your own sword, you are merciful. Your sword, no, they reach in blood. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. So David, one day, God looked at him and said, this is a man after my heart. Why would God call him a man after his heart? No, I'm saying, who is God? Did God change as you move from Old Testament to New Testament? Or did we now finally see God the way God wanted to be seen? Because Jesus said, nobody knew my father. You guys know the other ones we like talking about. Elijah. That one was just, the guy, the guy was, if I always said good morning, Thunder, oh, no, sorry, it was just a greeting. No, the guy was, the guy was exporting thunder for, for sale. You know, no, one day, we just like, are, are the prophets of Baal around? They said, yeah, I said, how many, 300? They need to be 500 for what is coming. <laughs> and the guy would, no, the guy was just, he would roast them, 500 people. So every you know, God of Elijah, send down fire, God of Elijah. We know that prayer. You understand? Like, if that's your texture of Christianity, you're going to have tension. You're going to have tension. Our parents can't get past it because their Christianity was shaped in conflict. So for them, they need an advisory to live Christian life. The day they go walk, somebody see feather on the table. Oh my God. Prophet. Did they hear that joke? Apostle we hear. If you don't have an apostle on your phone in Nigeria, you're never starting. In fact, there's prophet one, prophet two, prophet three. For our mothers, they're looking for power. Where is the prophet? Christianity becomes damage control. Everything becomes crisis management. Where is it falling? Where is it going? So this is what the Old Testament idea of God was. But you must understand that the Old Testament is not giving us a picture of the nature of God. It's at best giving us an evolution of understanding of God through the lens of men. So it's not, if you use that to define God, you will limit God and you get into trouble. But guess what? John and James were not very different. They read the Torah. So this particular day, they were out, they were doing ministration. Jesus was in town, the man of Galilee. They did a nice poster, Jesus was decked. Nobody showed up. That day, the program flopped. And that's why we call them sons of thunder. Because that day, they told Jesus, Baba, let's pull an Elijah. Just was I said, let's roast the city. No, they told Jesus to call down fire. I know what Jesus' response was. No, I'm not here to kill. I'm not here to kill. I'm here to give life. Now, what is the difference? How is it that Jesus became something else? Elisha, the other one that one day, 48, you know, when I was still doing fundamentalist, that part was hard. Yes, that. So there was one particular day, somebody was telling us that, but why did Elisha just kill 48 children? Because in the workness of culture, you can't, be, you can't hurt women and children. Prophet, what was going on here? And God was a participant. You know, and somebody said, uh, one fundamentalist answer was, no, no, they're not children, they are young adults. <laughs> that does not even guarantee why, why justify their killing. No, but the point is, the guy just killed and carried on as usual. You know the, the offense? Moro, moro. 
they saw him one day and said, Prophet no girl. So I don't think young adults, even if he's just like, my brother, this, there should be some mercy. There was no hair. You understand? Yeah, there was no hair. So the point was that the prophet decided that they would all go home that day. It was a day of rapture. Because somebody called him his hair. My point is, Jesus, on the other hand, when they would, when they would bring kids, he would tell them, no, 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 let the kids come. So the first thing you must change in your Christian experience is the revelation of God that you have. If a revelation of God is dated in Moses, you break the heart of Jesus. You can't date Moses and Jesus. I'm just using that technology. Yeah, to date Moses is to break Jesus' heart. For one is actually just on his way. Moses was seen in part. They saw through a lens. Guess what? The question for me is, we know that Moses killed. We've calculated it here now. It was a swift one. It was, it was always... In fact, Moses... They, they didn't count the number of Egyptians that died the day they left. Moses waited. They were entering water. Moses waited as they were all in the middle. Pew! Moses, mass drowning. Right? And Moses said, carry on, guys. Do you know, it was so bloody that all the people who left Egypt, not any of them entered. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever was happening there was not just Moses. It was a reflection. There was a collective trauma that they were all dealing with. So guess what? When Jesus came on the scene, Jesus told us that I've opened a door no one can shut. Because it was as though there was a door nobody could see into who God is. And how many people did Jesus kill? Please count. There was somebody. How many gifts you want to help? No, please, how many, anybody, Bible scholars, how many people did Jesus execute? Did he kill? No, but just think about it. How many people did he kill? Right. So my own point is, if we are still praying prayers to kill people, are we more like Jesus? Are we more like Moses? Are we more, yeah, who are we more like? You understand? Because even, guess what? The day they came to arrest him, but they came to pick him, they were, if I that year, that year that fell, that man would have remained earless for his life. Because I, I think God could have even forgiven me for that one. For not healing. He now said, no, 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 no. He carried the thing, put it back. You understand? What was it twisting in our minds? Like violence, violence. God was upturning violence, right? At the end of the day, your revelation of God has to be rooted in who Christ revealed him to be. If your revelation, so Christ is perfect theology. It's not so, not all the Bible should give you the idea of God. If not, you'll be praying, go kill your mama, kill your grandmama. Because every day you wake up, there's a wish to kill. And you live a, a spirituality that is driven by fear, not by love. So Jesus, Judas was there. Oh. Judas was there. Remember, Peter betrayed him three times. If Peter was your best friend, because Peter was close to Jesus. Imagine your best friend betray you. You only small gossip. The only one small, small gossip that you had, your life has crushed. Like you are not normal again, you are still calculating it. It happened in primary school, secondary school. You are still repeating it. So your revelation of God is going to feed your internal dialogue. The book around people who are blowing up people, they are blowing up people because they actually feel God is rewarding them for that. That is the revelation of God. It's actually very Old Testament related. So they said, no, they are, they are cleansing the land. That they've adulterated it. So the two pictures of God, right? There is, there is the God 
as revealed in the Old Testament, Oti, and God as revealed in Christ. Right? Now, what is the fundamental difference in these two? Let me tell you one of the things you, you meet here. This particular God is oftentimes revealed as a God. Okay, before I even get into that, there's a book that shaped American Christianity. Um, if you have not read the book, you probably would have heard about it. Any of you heard of the book, um, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God? It was written by John Calvin. No, Jonathan Edwards. It was Jonathan Edwards. And this was like in the 18th century, titled Sinners. No, right time. Sinners. Let me try and write this one well. Sinners. In, when I say handwriting, it's supposed fine. Of an angry God. Now, this actually shaped modern day evangelicals. The evangelicals, eh, they are. In, in states like Texas, where they advocate no abortion, has the lowest adoption. Now, just look at the paradox, right? So it's not like when they let the woman keep the children, they will adopt it. Because some people are adopting for economic reasons. It's wrong. So we're not endorsing it. But I'm saying that if it's not about dogma, you see the way that you, your love for children should not be seen how you're fighting to... It's about how you're showing love for those who are there. But these sinners in the hands of an angry God, this book gave us two things. One, the premise that you're a sinner and that God is angry. So if you were raised with the angry God, I can tell you what the challenge is. The angry God is a critic. So the angry God, the way this, con this context gave us the idea of the, the tyrant God. And the tyrant God is actually not always revealed as a community. So the tyrant God is best restricted to the God the Father. But if you have a vision of God the Father as your God, quite frankly, if you're a Christian, you have a problem. Because it's not an incomplete picture. God was not revealed as a one God. God was revealed as one God in three persons. And it means, it means something. So if you just restrict to God the Father, you don't have a, you're not a Christian in the way of understanding that God is revealed as a community of one God in three persons. And I think it was deliberate why the Trinity became a defining stuff, right? The context of God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. The one God cannot love by nature. He exists in isolation. So our understanding of this God is a God that is very distant from us, removed from human affairs. So this God will not associate with sin. He frowns on it and he kills it. So the way you'd have to survive the tyrant God is to keep a distance. In fact, the most atheists today you know are actually shaped by the angry God. They are not angry at the God of Christ. They are actually angry at the angry God. But let's leave that one. We'll land. So this is the context of the tyrant God. The idea that God exists just to sit down on the, on the throne of judgment. And we say, please check me. How many sins has my collected today? Four. Four against his name. Okay, move it to the book of death. The other one, life. No, no life. Okay, 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 it's not an example. No. Okay, so, you know, the Nigerian, no, say, no, no, that pastor, that church with Okay, but at the end of the day, this is what it is. When you start with the tyrant God, the tyrant God is not, in, is separate from man. 
So you, the first concept of again is separation. So that the tyrant God is removed, you have to do everything you can to find him. But this picture of God is not Hebrew as much. This picture of God is not Christ. This picture of God is actually pagan. The pagan idea is, this is Zeus. If you know Zeus, Zeus is, they exist all by themselves. They show up. So in this particular idea, even the Muslim God is one God. The Muslim doesn't have the Trinity. But the beauty of the Christian God is that God is revealed to us as a one God in three persons. The mystery of it is, what is holding the three of them is love. For God to be called love means that the nature of love exists as love can be shared. So for love to be love, love has to be given. So the nature of the Christian God is actually a, a union or communion. Right? Or union. So they are called, we call it perichoresis. That you cannot separate the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. They are one. So the way it works is, in fact, one of the initial understanding I, I keep sharing, I've I was preached it here before, is that God is like a circle of love, dance. So they say the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And it's not so much that the Father is different in form and structure, but when you see the Father, the Son, and the Spirit is in him. And when you see the Son, the Spirit and the Father is in him. And when you see the, the Spirit, the Son and the Father is in him. Okay, let me touch on this very quickly. One of the Christian theology that I have wrestled with is penal substitution. I wrestled with it on a level. Because the, the, the penal substitution tells us that in the Old Testament, God was the, the, the prophecy was that God would kill Jesus. Or God would kill his son so that he would forgive our sins. Right? But in the New Testament, see how Paul said it. Paul said it in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Please, let's go there. 2 Corinthians 5.17. See how Paul said it. So this, if you start with this idea, the cross will mean something to you. The way you define the cross is that you will split the Trinity. One will be the murderer. One will be the murdered. But that will be splitting one, something that is indescribable that cannot be split. See what he says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 18. Now all things are of God who has reconciled to, all to himself through Jesus Christ and has given to us a ministry of reconciliation. Next. That is that God was in Christ. So on the day Jesus was killed, where was God? Yeah. He was not the one taking the blood. He was the one giving it. See what Paul is saying, though, that if God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So if you ask God, where were you? God will show you his nails. Every nail Jesus took, God took it with him. Because the Trinity cannot be split. You understand? So what this means is that God is inherently love. And we cannot now take the Old Testament lens. Once you start with this, he's the one that murders. In the New Testament, the picture of, is the one that actually gives the sacrifice. He's the sacrificial lamb. Because if you insist that, no, God took the blood, you and I are making a claim that God could not forgive without taking his pound of flesh. And that would not be forgiveness. Forgiveness is not paid. It is forgiven without debt paid. Forgiveness is a cancellation of the debt, not the taking of the payment. So the definition of the cross is not that God was actually killing his son. was that God was in his son dying 
to reconcile the world to himself. Let's go to John 3, 16 and 17. So I need you guys to move because if we stay in this place, you will never be intimate with the God you fear. You will never find prayer fun with the God you fear. You will never be a true loving Christian with the God you fear. Because the God you have as, your, as a revelation is the pillar of your foundation of truth. See what it's saying. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, the context of giving has been interpreted as for God so loved the world that he killed. Now, this thing can go either way, but is it for God so loved the world that he, he, he killed? Or for God so loved the world that he died? Because it is either of them. Let's use the scripture for what it is. If you say for God so loved the world that he killed his only begotten son. There's something called um, homologia, that there's a consistency in the arguments of a scripture. So if you tell me, you cannot know, if we put for God so loved the world that he killed his holy begotten son, the next scripture will give us context. But if we, get, if we hold the fact that for God so loved the world that he died with his son, like Paul was saying to reconcile the world to himself, how would that change? You will not be able to answer this if you don't go look at the person of Christ. How did Christ interpret the event of his death? that in his death was the salvation of the world. But see what he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, see what he said, for whosoever, you understand that God was about inclusion, not exclusion. So God was not trying to keep people out, he was bringing people in. So in this revelation, there is the tyrant God, and there is the Godhead, the, the, the triumph God, Trinity. So the tyrant God is... You don't know, but he's standing all by himself, and you're separate from him. In the understanding of the life of God, Jesus will give us John 14, John 14, you see it. But see, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son to enter the world to condemn the world. Now, when you find the consistency here is, if his intention is to condemn the world, right, killing will be consistent. Yes. Because the killing and, and condemnation are moral equivalents. But if he sent his son not to condemn the world, but that through him the world will be saved, then he was doing something right. He was dying with the world. In his death will come life. And that's why he said, except the tree dies, he abides alone. But when he dies, it gives birth to sons. So sons are waking when they realize what this is. But if your theology is rooted in the fact that God is a killer, your prayer life would have this potential dark side that God is always something not to be trusted. Can we get rid of those ideas? That is the 19th, 20th, 100th century. The first century did not even believe all this crap. These things came with a lot of battle. Even the way we've measured on this. So let's even follow this for, and follow it to the logical conclusion. The angry God and the loving God. So this one is sinners in the hand of an angry God. What's the, moral, what's the, what's the other side? Um, how do we change it now? I would even say lost sons. In, in the, in the, I would even call it that. In the, well, let's try. Let's try. In the heart of a loving God. Yeah, the searching Father, in search of sons. So here, our perspective is not just about defining you with sin. Here, we define you with sonship. See what we read there. Jesus was the son. God has never stopped seeing you like a son. You know. Even a lost coin never loses its value. Yes, sir. So the inscription on that coin does not become lost because the thing is lost. It's the lost that you're lost means you belong. Yes, lost is only used for those that belong. Yes, 
So for those that don't know, you will just be thinking, brother, there is, that's why everything in Christianity is called Aru, repent, return, restore. It's because there is a coming back. Yes, sir. So let's follow it to Father in the search of lost, uh, in search of lost sons. We can use lost there. Yeah. Father in the search of lost sons. Tyrant God, the angry God. Here, this is the loving Father, the triumph God. Now let's talk about separation. This God cannot stand your sin. This God is not interested in your mess. This God enters your mess. Yeah. This God is not intimidated by your brokenness. He dives in. That was when we were singing that song, leaving it all to take hold of you. Not us just leaving it all. In fact, he left it all to take hold of us. We did not just, he became flesh. So that so when you stand here, what's the other what's the other stuff? In this paradigm, there is a lot of reward and punishment. So your your your, your context of Christianity here is going to be very big on condemnation. You will not be able to love. Because the God you started with cannot love. So you every day, now so then be now. One day now, God will judge them now. You only will be doing that. Now, when you start in this particular place, so it becomes a, more a transaction. All that you're doing is either to avoid pain or to your attempts to love God is to get blessing. But here is a relationship, right? So in this context of relationship, reward and punishment takes the back seat. It's actually a relationship. That's why God is not so much involved in interested in, domin in dominating your life. He's in communion. So it's not like God is the only thing that can possess you and can make you fully you. Everything else that possesses you, you're a chain. Just chew it when you go home. So here is what you have to keep in mind. When you follow this thread down to, let's go to John 14, John 14, 3 to 6. I think John, John gave us a lot of scripture to portray that. So you see the way Jesus defined himself. If your definition of God is not first rooted in him being your father, you're missing the point. So the revelation of Christ, Christ Christ came. Remember what he said, Christ is perfect theology. Christ is what God has to say. Christ is the exact words God needed to speak. Every prophet spoke, but maybe they added their own. In Christ, God spoke without any addition. And what did it sound? There is no condemnation. There is love. So if we begin here, Christ is at a... Why did you think they killed him? If he was, if he was going around and just... They will not kill him. The people that killed him were church people though. If you have to figure it out. They couldn't handle this thing. They went and paid money so they could get him killed. Okay, let's see this. Go to, go to four. Let's go to four and five. Next, five. Okay, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going and how can we, how can we know the way? Next. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, for, for, for a second, pause. He wasn't talking about Christianity versus Muslim or Christianity versus Buddhism. He was talking about Christianity as fatherhood. That no other way to God but you as a son and God as a father. And what is father? Father is called source. The source from which everything came. So Jesus understood that thing. Do you know Isaiah 51 verse 1? You know what that scripture says? Say, look to the rock from which you came. What is the rock from which you came? If you go to the lab, cut that small rock. That rock 
if you go and test it, everything that is in the big rock is in the small rock. That means you and your source can share fellowship because you're of the same kind. God made everything after his kind. So when God was speaking to, when God wanted to create water, uh, fishes, he would speak to the water. And in that moment, the water became the very medium through which the fish came. And the essence of the fish is what? When God is going to speak to plants, he spoke, to make plants, he spoke to the ground. And plant came forth from the ground. The essence of the plant is what? Earth. But when God was going to make man, he spoke to himself. So the essence of man is what? Yeah. That was why only God could die to redeem man. Because not no sacrifice can atone. No a thousand bulls is not equal to one man. God gave us our words in the cross. So the cross was not the weight of our sin. It was the weight of our words. Because the, the life of God for an exchange of man means there is a God be man. So what if we stop seeing ourselves as inferior and just embrace what Jesus embraced? So see how Jesus started to teach you. Let's go. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Seven. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Now, what I need us to focus on this morning is, if as he is in this world, so are we. How he saw himself should not be any less than how we see ourselves. He saw himself, what? As a son. Now, he's saying that if you have seen me, if you may my father also, and from now on you know him and have seen him. How does it even mean that you have, seen God, uh, you have seen Jesus, so you've seen God? Because Paul said it, you are the dwelling place where God dwells. In him you live, you move, you have your being. So let's move all these thoughts. When God said to Jeremiah, before I formed in your mother's womb, I knew thee. What was he talking about? That means Jeremiah did not begin in his mother's womb. Jeremiah did not begin in his mother's womb. When he actually said, when Jesus was saying, he said, I have been in eternal one, Jesus did not begin in Mary's womb. What I need you to hold first, the truth about your being is not just found in your experience. It's found in a revelation of who you are through the eyes of God. So if you start with the fact that you were born May 16, 19 something, that's okay. But that's not the worth of your being. So many of us are not aware. Once you enter into a mistake, this is how it works. Once, you're, once you have a fracture, the first thing is that it introduces to you a belief system. So that belief system, for instance, if you have a rape experience, right, that rape experience can produce more thoughts of guilt or worthiness. So from thoughts, it becomes, once a thought becomes consistent, what do we call it? When a thought becomes consistent, say a word. It's belief. When a belief becomes consistent, it becomes what? It, it becomes habit. So when a habit becomes consistent, it becomes what? Personality. Or character. So this is who you know you are. So the point, the pain here is that if you start from here and enter belief and enter habit, by the time you get to personality, if this place is wrong, this place will be compounded wrong, this place will be compounded wrong, and this place will be wrong. So you are thinking you're living, but what is happening is that you're repeating one experience 30 times. So it's not like you're, that's why your life is, if you're living a life of going in circle, the circle is tied to the fact that 
your thoughts have been shaped by a broken idea of God, by a broken idea of experience. So that thought is producing belief. Why something presses you at night is not because other people are not having sleep. Something has been planted into you, a thought that something has to press you at night. That has become a belief. It has become a habit. So every night is something to look forward to. Personality, on the other hand, is not static. See, personality by man is actually dynamic. What it means is that if you're in church today, over time you start to shape up. You were shaped by your family, you were shaped by the schools you attend, you were shaped by society. So if your personality is your identity, you can see that you're not real. Because you are an illusion of who you are. So if we come back, when Jesus was asked in Matthew 13, who do men say I am? They said, thou art the Jonas, thou art this. He said, no, that's not who I am. He said, okay, who do you think I am? They said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, okay, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Why? When they mentioned you are the son, he clicked. Because he's not just Jesus born by Mary. There is the eternal essence of God that has been found in him. That essence was never lost, was never broken. It was always there. Sin cannot take it away. God removed sin to reveal that. So the image of God in a man today is the life of Christ unveiled in a man. Let's, let's wrap up on this. If you are, let's go to 8. John 14, 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is sufficient for us. See what he says. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say show us the Father? Just for a second, imagine Jesus living in the world in which we live. Everybody is talking about God, 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 and this guy is making this bold claim. But he's making a bold claim that is true of humanity. That Christ, the way he eats is the way we are supposed to be. So let's bring it home. Why is our relationships broken? If we are not rooted in Christ, what is going to happen is that everything else will become our paradigm. For instance, if you are not finding your worth in the fact that you are the life of Christ, you will still be living your life trying to earn someone's approval. You are what you, you're not what you do, but culture tells us you're what you do. You're not where you work, yet culture tells you you're where you work. You're not what you drive, yet you can't take your car to some places. Because you're afraid. In fact, somebody told me once that the, one lady told him that uh, any, any guy that is in, using, using Uber to come is not ready. Is Uber not better than trekking? But my point is, do you know some people don't ju- doesn't just like to drive? Driving in Lagos is chaotic. So if you now start by saying, this person that is using Uber is not ready, now you're not ready. Because these things that are in your head are not worth taking you there. So just for the cruise... Who has, who has, who has, who has, okay, who has an ex here? <laughs> you know, so you get that, you go ask them. Tommy, why did they break up with you? Because it, it may not have been the other way around. Okay, well, it may be the other way around. But why do you think, okay, give me an example. Yes. No, but just, okay, maybe, tell us about a friend. Ask for a friend. <laughs> Why did their relationship break? Do you, can you give us a reason? Uh, <laughs> 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 
doubly interested in this. But it's okay, give him the mic. But keep it short, just give us one word. Okay, um, so with my ex, it was just a, it was just a thing of, she, she personally said that she would not be able to respect me because she was older than me by one year. Wow. Okay, let's stay on that. Now, two things is that, Tommy, you know your response. You should have told her, you are not the day you were born. It's not the day you began. Yes. No. No, guys. No, 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 no. No, no, these things, honestly. So, tell her you are, you have, even God knew you before you came. So, you have access to wisdom. Okay, who, Isaac, when they broke up with you, what happened? But I'm nobody's ex. <laughs> you are in the house of God, though. Okay, okay, who is your ex? Please pass the mic, pass the mic. Now guys, let's stay on this. In this place, you can trace every reason to this answer. If your identity is your construct, your girlfriend will dump you. They'll just tell you one day, or even the guy. So, and I'll give me a reason why, ask for a friend. Because <laughs> this time, please lock door, that might run. Okay, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, just anything, just anything. Okay, why do relationships break up? Let's just make it like that. Okay. Adobe here says others. Religious reasons. Okay. Okay, they don't, they don't agree. You know, again, mm, the reason many people will break on this table, right, is that if you, your religion is through this lens, eh, you become a fundamentalist. Because it will be about what do you believe? How do you practice what you believe? But at some point, you know, beliefs are dynamic, they evolve. So this person that is today, it sent a collection of their beliefs, they might change. I've seen cases where some people who were actually very, very, I don't know, I don't know anything about, you know, somehow, somehow. So you're not your beliefs. Your beliefs should be consistent with the person of Christ. And that's why Christ was able to sit with people he didn't always agree with. How many Christians go down? You must just, just think of how you feel when you enter that place. Think of yourself in a mosque. Or think of yourself in the bar. You understand? But not strippers club. Because there is no way that example will make it to this place. So if you are doing your your but my point is, just think of something that you're dealing with. When you, when you reduce people to their opinion and to their point of view, you will not be able to know them for real. People are not their opinions. People are first the image of God. And it's important. So we have to open ourselves for, for the gospel to shape our opinion, even of ourselves. An opinion of Nigeria. Do you know, yesterday we just got back from Ghana. As we enter Ghana, somebody was climbing up. One woman shouted, and there's even no light here. You know, but I know that that woman carried complaint. Enter. Because I didn't know that there was no light. I don't climb. You understand? I'd already reach. When I say there's no light, I say, no, in her own mind, she just, I don't say, nothing works here. See this other world. Now, see how they're making life hard. The more she's, before long, they now, we did four COVID tests too. If you travel, no, in, in, in less than three days, you do one in Nigeria. Ghana, no, they respect that one. So once you reach Ghana, they'll say, do another one. Then, Nigeria, they respect Ghana own. So, once you're coming back, you do Ghana to for Ghana to allow you fly. Then Nigeria go say do another one. So yesterday night they caught on the carrier of us will pay another this thing. I said, what am I doing for COVID tests and I have no COVID? 
the negative have not stopped changing. It's been three days now. But my point is, somehow along the line, I saw the woman complain again. I know they're going to make it difficult. You know? So, but that internal complaint is filing our experience. You know, some, some people, you can tell them that, some people don't read you. Tell one 80-year-old woman, you have five days to live. Oh, my God. Only me, five days to live. Right? God, and she will call all her children. Some people, you tell them they have five days to live. Goodness. Let's have a ball. Where is that bucket list? We're going to party tonight. No, but my point is two perspectives. Another one, don't call all the children my children. What the doctor said is what we are trying to talk about. I'm not saying accept it. I'm just saying that sometimes the news is not the problem. It's how you hear it. Right? Okay, back to relationship. Why your own brain? Ada, okay, he said, Ada, Ada, Obey, Ada, Obey, yeah. Are we doing good with time? Yes, sir. Well, I feel like maybe it's like communication and then most people come in with expectations. Okay. So, yeah. Expectations and communication. Good point, right? Because at the end of the day, communication is actually a skill. You have to learn it, right? And communication doesn't mean talking when, when it's comfortable. In fact, the test of communication is where you don't talk about some guys who talk football, talk buhari. But how are you there? That would be if you answer them. Because somehow they can't get into their feelings. Everything else can distract you because they've told us somewhere, your feelings, making yourself vulnerable will weaken you. See, guys, the revelation of God we see in Christ is vulnerable, is relatable. Christ, God comes to dwell in your mess. God is not the one that is angry, waiting for you to fail so that he can punish you. God comes in to give you the wisdom so you don't have to fail. God is not the one that is waiting for you to find him. He's the one seeking you, finding you. God expands when we see him through the lens of Christ. Everybody belongs. He reaches Christ. Whether you're a tax collector, you get your time. Man, just God, just, just go follow Jagaban. The day people see Jagaban, broke him, cancel. See, you don't know what I'm doing in the mission of the gospel. My point is, Christ was not limited in his scope of humanity because Christ could see God as larger. He could love. And that was why that scripture was talking about we are called to be vessels of healing. Because you see this world that we are living in, if you start here, you have trauma. See, this place, uh, if your first revelation of God, the base that we're talking about, if your revelation of God is a, is a fearful one, fear will, power, will drive your life. Every day you have fear of failure, you have fear of success. The fear of failure, fear of success are symptoms of a fear that a God that is supposed to be the base of your life, the very source of existence, doesn't find you worthy to love you. So you'll be powered by that. Your fear of failure, fear of success, every time you get into a relationship, you're afraid of losing the person. The fear of even going wrong is actually tied to the fear that you've rooted in that there is God. Is a God is to be feared, not to be loved. But fear is broken. He said, perfect love does what? Cast away all fear. Rejoice. So we need to get into that thinking. At the end of the day, the code... At the end of the day. So I need us to recalibrate. What is the picture you think about God? Santa Claus. Those ones are harmless, yeah. But they don't give you the real picture. God becomes a candy shop. And God is more than a Christmas pack. Right? So you don't just reduce him to just when you want stuff. And you know, I will end by saying there are three types of relationship that will come out of this. If you don't know who you are in God, 
you're either likely to be a widow in your relationship, right? And when I speak of the widow lens, a widow has this idea of, I used to love God. I used to worship seven hours. Oh, when I was on campus, I was the mama of the fellowship. Right? Yeah. The widow used to, is defined by what used to be. But there's the divorce. The divorce, God didn't die, but he left him. In the widow's lens, is a decent burial. The tomb stands. In the divorce case, um, we used to, he never called. They live in the pain of expectations unmet. So if you're a widow, if you have a widow-type relationship to, with God, you would be defined more by mistakes and by the fact that you feel God didn't come true sometime in your life. If you're def- holding the widow lens, you'll be defined by a past, the things you've lost. You seem stuck and frozen in time. But the worst of, one of the most tempting is the side chick one. The side chick relationship type with God. These ones are in the, in the Lord for the groove. Yeah, for them it's like, oh Father, I'm traveling today, give me that contract, oh Lord. And that's all. You won't see them till there's a need for another thing. So the side chick wants a one night stand. What she can have for the rest of her life. But the most accurate picture God gave us concerning our relationship with him is one of a bride. And the bride is loved. The bride is cherished. Do you know, I was telling them of our wedding day. All right. No, I remember Miss Adimifer ran a bit late. All right. And then I was getting tensed, right? And my best man was telling me that, man, Freddy, hold on, Freddy, you're sweating. You understand? So I was like, I was like, man, because they threatened us that if we are late, they will cancel or post. But you know, the, the church now get there. Authority. Well, if they're not here by 10, 15, we might have to cancel the wedding. No, but that, that was the fear. So I was like, hey, hey they go cancel. The pastor already sent notes. Where is she? So my mind was like, hey, guess what? When we walked in, suddenly everything just changed. No, yeah. No. Well, well. We could have written that song. Yes. No. No, everything changes. But, but guys, let's keep lyrics for God though. The way lyrics are changing. I said I saw someone yesterday. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without where my spirit lead me where my where my fund is without borders. Why can't you say spirit lead me where my love is without borders? I, I don't want to add that. Lord, let me walk upon dollars. Add another one, add another one. Give us a ten. No, no, no. Let's not mess it up. It was a beautiful song until I started dollars. But guess what? Jesus and John the Baptist, right? There was a time John the Baptist was losing members in his church. And people went to him and said, Jesus, don't take your member. Like, it, you know, Jesus just had this way of doing parties. It's what they do. Like, like Tribe Sunday, after, after church party. Right? You, all see, you all see Peter, they share food. And Judas, he said, Peter, that's two meat. I told you to buy one, right? That was the case. And you know what John said? John said, ah, guys, you missed the point. John said, I am the husband man. So the best man is in, in, in modern palace, it means the best man. He said, my, best, my job as the best man is to make him look good. So my, my own point is to be a foreigner. I'm here to wash his feet. I'm here to take care of him. I'm here to, you know, usher him in. But he said, Jesus, what he didn't stop there. Why is he a foreigner? Jesus is the groom. So if his job is to take care of the groom, what's the groom's job? The 
groom should be looking at his bride's face, taking off the sweat. Babe, you look perfect. You know, today, you are done with the beauty of perfection. I see in your face and in your eyes the piercing look of love. Fragile, can we, can we, give me a line, give me a line. <laughs> but guess what? You don't see yourself like he sees you. God never saw Jesus like a slave trying to earn his affection. The day he opened heaven on baptism, he said, this is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. He didn't stop there, he's saying it of you. So who is a bride? A bride shows up. And the other day I made a distinction, I think there's a difference between bride and wife. Do you understand? Like, you're forever a bride. What about if we do marriages like every day's honeymoon? Because, no, the, the bride never leaves the honeymoon. You understand? You're meant to live in that honeymoon ecstasy. I'm not saying there are no rough days. But it doesn't take away that you are in the honeymoon of your father's love. Every day is your best day. What's that our scripture? That, that uh, today is your best day. Yeah. See, think about the way God sees you. God's love. Love doesn't stand still. It rushes towards his own. God reaches into every space. Please give me that psalm. Give me that psalm. Right? Psalm 2. So, but think about it. If you are the bride of Christ, does it show in how you see yourself? Does your what diminish because somebody dropped one X didn't work? X won't even get sense. You understand? Are you going to ruin yourself because someone couldn't see your words? Or are you going to accept the words that has been given to you by your father? Your dreams, do they die because you don't have money? Have you stopped dreaming because you, are, you're, you feel there is nothing to take you there? No. Can you give yourself the permission that God has given you? You're great. You're loved. You're perfect. God sees no flaws in you. How would you for a second let somebody tell you how to live, how to be? How can somebody look at you and say you're fat? And you believe. And you took yourself what? Away. Because someone cannot see your uniqueness and your beauty. He doesn't belong. Or she doesn't belong. Don't lose yourself to love another. Love is not end. It is expressed. And if that person can't see you for who you are, they are undeserving of you. Because you are fully deserving of your father's love. And if a mortal cannot see you for who you are, dwell in the fact that your father sees you. See it here. Let me tell you what God said next. He said, you are my son. Say, you are my son. Let's personalize it. I am his son. I am his child. Today is my birthday. What about if we wake up every day reading this scripture? I am his son. Today is my birthday. Because his mercies do not expire when you go to bed. He says his mercies are new every morning. His faithfulness is for a lifetime. So today is my birthday. Yes, yesterday didn't work. I have my mistakes, but I'm not my worst mistake. I'm not my worst error. I am more than my mistakes. I can't be frozen in time. You are a son. Today is your birthday. Birthday. You're a bride. Today is your wedding. Life will not diminish. It will expand. When you face your career, see it not as anything else than this. Today is your birthday. You have your father's approval. You are fully accomplished in your father's eyes. Nothing should take away from you. For he declares you free. Can you just open your words and declare it of yourself? You are whole. You are well. You are loved. So I want us to sing that song. Um, and I want us to make it a prayer. I want us to make it a bit meditative. So you're going to do like we do. Put your hand on your chest. Whisper, I am loved by my father. 
I am forgiven. I'm made perfect in his eyes. There is nothing missing in my life. <laughs> my past is forgiven. I am whole. God has shared his glory with you. He's not intimidated by your success. You can log on to thetribelagos.com or email us at hello at thetribelagos.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter on The Tribe Lagos. God bless.